thank you for joining Paul Bartlett for Rethink It, the podcast that pushes the boundaries of thinking about leadership and life in a world that is thinking less about church. Well, today I have the privilege to have a chat to the Reverend Tim Costello. Tim is one of Australia's best-known community leaders, sought-after voice on social justice issues, leadership and ethics. He's the executive director of MICA Australia, and in this role has a strong vision to gather, inspire and empower Australian Christians to share God's heart for justice. He's passionate about seeing the church in Australia be known for justice, mercy and humility. And in case you don't know, he wrote the foreword to my very first book, Thank God It's Monday. So, Tim, thanks for joining me today. A delight to be with you. Well, Tim, let's dive straight into it. I won't uh, linger around the idea that I got you to do my forward. That was a great uh, privilege to have you be a part of that book. We'll, we'll move straight into a, a it. A privilege to write it, Paul. It was great. And congratulations on Rethink It. Thank you. Uh, Micah, which is a great organisation uh, here in Australia, you've mentioned something really important recently, Tim. You said that... Um, around the, the war that's happening, of course, through Ukraine and with Russia, you said war never achieves the ends it's set out to. It only creates further suffering, chaos and division. Can you tell me uh, a little bit more about that thought and what we need to do with that? Yeah, well, we um, often don't realise as Christians that for the first 300 years, uh, Christians were literally pacifists. Uh, they refused to take up arms. Uh, they said, but if Jesus taught us to love our enemy, how can I kill that person? Because I'm told by my leader they're an enemy. So Christians really gave me that thought, if you, if you like, that war never achieves what we think it's going to achieve. The, um, the truth is uh, those, those Christians in the first 300 years turned the world upside down, not because their preaching was necessarily better than preachers today, but because of the ethic. It was the ethic of love and humility and love might change my enemy rather than the sword or the gun. Uh, so that ethic was totally foreign, incomprehensible, unknown. Uh, it was what Christians were known for, of course, when Constantine, the Roman emperor, becomes a Christian, sadly. He uh, then he really sort of corrupts the Christian message. So uh, those who wouldn't take up arms marched under the shadow of a cross to go to war <laughs> and, yeah. and to kill. And, and look, I still think um, we'll no doubt get to this. One of the big questions for the Christian church today is the world has plenty of nationalistic armies and plenty of tribal hatreds of the enemy. What the world needs is love. It mm. needs a different ethic. It yep. needs to say there is a, another way. Yep. And uh, in rethinking that, if we Christians just become warlike and nationalistic, beating the drum for our tribe, well, the world doesn't have the ethic of Jesus and it really is lost. So, uh, uh, that's where that thought came from, Paul. And I think too, Tim, as you say, that I, I was reflecting uh, the idea that, you know, I, like you, we've stood behind pulpits and preached and talked about love. But I guess 
what the world's wanting from the church is to see this unconditional, this act of love, not just this uh, almost a shouting to the crowd rather than being amongst the crowd. How has that message, how, how has that changed you? Because you don't see, I know as I watch you work, you don't see love simply as a voice. You see it very much as an action. Talk to us about that and how it shaped you. Yeah, so I, I guess um, growing up a Baptist evangelical, there was a, a sort of theology that almost said to me, we might as well have crucified the baby in the manger from Bethlehem because Jesus just came to be born and to die for our sins so that I can go to heaven. What I realized uh, as I grew into my faith is that what Jesus said and what Jesus did was why he was crucified. The, the connection and recovery of uh, uh, the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, of uh, turn the other cheek, uh, go the extra mile. Those deeds matched the teaching and the integration and the integrity that comes from word and deed being matched is what the world needs to see in the church. Too often, um, the church does sound a bit like those who are always trying, the religious who are always trying to trap Jesus. And their, yeah. their approach to life was we, we know the truth. Yeah. And if you just shut up long enough and listen to us, <laughs> you would know the truth too. Yeah. And I yeah, think sec secular Australians are not, not at all hostile to Jesus. They're not even hostile to the gospel. We often think no. there's all this secular hostility. They're hostile to a tone where the church stands up and above the rest and shouts down and lectures like the Pharisees did. Whereas Jesus came alongside and touched lepers and bleeding women yeah. and fed the hungry, word and deed were integrated. That was what was so authentic. Yeah, I love that. I think sometimes Christians, they probably, dare I say, we might overthink uh, helping others or being amongst hurting people. I, I love in your book, you know, titled A Lot With A Little in 2019, you wrote that, of course, and it's sort of the thought I've tried to capture a little bit in the idea of rethink it as well, which is rethink the idea that helping somebody who's not like you is a massive thing. It doesn't have to be massive. So why do you think we all assume that big is successful and powerful and only do something if it looks like it's going to get big? Talk to us about that thought. Yeah, I think we have bought into a uh, triumphalist uh, success model, which was the opposite of Jesus. Let's be honest. He only had 12 at the end and one had betrayed him. So We've all uh, had one of those, Tim. <laughs> exactly. We've all had betrayals. You know, I, I, I mentor of our three uh, young pastors, senior pastors of Pentecostal churches where I, I live and they're always struggling with how other ministers say, how big's your church and what's the budget? And, uh, and they're, they're gospel-centred enough to go, you know. It's not just about success and numbers and bigness. It's actually in the quality of the love, the discipleship, the costliness of how people live, uh, reach out to their neighbours. Um, that, that actually is what Jesus was on about. So, yeah, look, a lot with a little was a play. It's my uh, autobiography. It was a play on really my father and I might add probably my brother. Uh, my brother, you know, creamed off all the family brains when they were handed out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
My father was a very intelligent man when my mum met him and she was a psych student at university, me measured his IQ. He was by far the smartest she'd ever met and she ended up marrying him. <laughs> but she said of my father, who was totally unambitious, a wonderful Christian man, but did not have any desire to climb the ladder. He was a teacher all his life, turned down promotions, just wanted to be in the classroom. She uh, took me aside and once said, you know, your father... He did a little with a lot. He could have done a lot more. You and I, Tim, we've done a lot with a little. Uh, and it was a bit of a backhanded compliment. But my father and my brother were the really, really bright ones in our family. Yeah. Look, a lot with a little works in lots of ways. So Jesus said to the disciples, I want to feed 5,000. What have you got? Yeah. Well, it was very little. Uh, yeah. And we see, we see what happens. So... I just think gospel always makes us question the culture's values of success. Yeah, Tim, you mentioned your father there, which tweaked the thought about your grandfather, uh, who I think, as I read in your book, is famously imprisoned by the same judge that imprisoned Ned Kelly. That's uh, quite, quite the story. Tell us a bit about what happened there. Yeah, he was an Irish uh, emigre who uh, arrived in Melbourne in 1841, ran pubs as the Irish did, Fierce Republican, couldn't stand the Queen. I've read all the articles about him. Back in those days, the uh, voting booths were the pubs and um, he rigged his election to the Victorian colonial parliament and uh, got found out, got tried by Sir Edmund Barry, who 16 years later condemned Ned Kelly, got sentenced to 12 months jail. First person in a Westminster Parliament we, we can find going to prison for rigging his election. I might say my brother wasn't thrilled I discovered all this family history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, you could easily connect a few dots there, I guess, for him in his uh, political career. But, uh, well, you can't deny your past, right? Well, you can't. The funny thing was he only served three months because he threatened to blow the whistle on other politicians who'd rigged their election. So... Parliament petitioned for him to be released. <laughs> uh, so, look, he, he was a rogue. We didn't know that story at all growing up. It was only in right. late, later years through research. And, and I think it was a, a revelation to us. There was no one in our family until my brother went into politics and I was sort of in local politics, mayor of St Kilda. But everyone said, well, it's the first time Costellos have ever done anything in politics. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you beat your <laughs> no, brother. I know you did. I know for sure. <laughs> you know, when you're telling that story, Tim, I was thinking about, you know, as you alluded to at the start of the interview, just the many ways in which Christianity gets interpreted. And in fact, one of the, the very first thing I address in Rethink It is the idea of bias. You know, we only think other people have bias. We wouldn't imagine that we have it. And, you know, here we have this, uh, even in that story, you tell the old tones of Catholic versus Protestant and the rivalry between what are supposed to be people that serve the same God. Here you are a, a Baptist minister with an honorary doctorate from an Australian Catholic university. I mean, that's almost outrageous to hear that. Talk to me about, it's not even denominationalism, it's really about this idea that what we believe, our style of Christianity is the only style. And how does that negatively impact what Jesus is trying to do on the earth? Yeah, look, Jesus prayed for unity, that his um, followers would be one, John 17. And I think the great scandal of the church has been disunity. I think yeah. that is tragic. 
it, it comes about because we are wired for tribalism. We've seen the retribalizing of the world and uh, nationalism, sometimes abetted, aided and abetted by religion, fuels that, as we saw in Northern Ireland. You know, curiously, uh, the IRA was founded by a Protestant. It was a, it was a political movement that then got caught up in Catholic and Protestant sectarianism that was really petrol on the fire of, uh, you know, the IRA wanting to be separate from uh, an island, to be separate from Britain. So religion often can get fed into that sort of tribalism, which is uh, terrible. You know, I, I love the uh, part in the Gospels where the uh, disciples are complaining that someone else is throwing out demons, but not not doing it with the imprimatur of, uh, of their mob. Yeah. And, and Jesus rebukes them. No, no. <laughs> yeah, we, are, we are so petty. Uh, we, we lose sight of the fact that we're each just a small part of God's mob. We have a different tag, name, denominational label, but we're just the same mob. It's one yeah. mob, one yeah. Lord, one faith, one baptism. Yeah, and I think, I, you know, Certainly the journey of Rethink It started with my own Rethink It journey and the acknowledgement that my educational background, my cultural background, I mean, you know, we said earlier, I am what I am today because I watched my father help community. It's no surprise that I end up with this community bias. You know, one of the things when I uh, wrote Rethink It and lots of people around the world have read it, I've had the great privilege of speaking about it everywhere, but I have to remind them as well, as much as I'm passionate about that thought, that thank God it's Monday is not it, because there is no it in one sense, right? Because as soon as I think my faith or my aspect of faith is it, then I actually ostracize somebody else and I, I accidentally demean what they think is of great value within the faith. And I guess what we're saying is Jesus is big enough, isn't he? All those can fit. And I, I think that's a very profound thought. I think the, uh, you know, the alighting on a particular truth, which is what God has given to us and gifts and ministry that might flow from that truth and saying, this is it. <laughs> Maybe deep down, Paul, all of us have a need to feel we're better at something than someone else. We're superior in some way to something else. We have an insight that's deeper than someone else. And that's why uh, perhaps Romans 3.23 is the most important verse in the Bible. For all have fallen short. All. All have sinned. And that universal uh, knowledge brings humility that mm -hmm. says, I, I believe what I'm doing is really important, but it's not it. And you compliment me. That's what the body, the picture of Paul, Paul using the body is all about. Yeah. Um, uh, and a unity in diversity with all of that difference, but one Lord is yeah. the most profound insight we can have. Yeah. So talking of the church, I mean, what do you think? I mean, there's lots of things. And, and, and by the way, it's worth saying, you know this, you've been, you've led a church, uh, I lead a church. I love the church, actually. And I think I feel like sometimes God gives me permission to critique the church because I love it, not because I don't. I don't have a chip on my shoulder. Um, but what is it you think, uh, across Australia particularly, that we might need to rethink in church world? 
so that we can be better prepared for our future. You know, I um, have been following, like you, the events of uh, what I call retribalizing going on for the last uh, 10 years and Bank America great again, make China great again. Russia, clearly with its uh, cruel, devastating attack on Ukraine, comes out of a vision of Putin to make Mother Russia great again, like the USSR was. And um, I was reading, you know, Acts, Acts 1-6, where it struck me as curious that the best question, the brightest question the disciples could think of to ask Jesus before he ascended to heaven and left earth, their best question was, is now the time you're going to make Israel great again? Yeah. Uh, you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And it was still this highly nationalistic, we are the ones who deserve the honour and the power. But at the heart of it, it was a political question. It was really saying the whole gospel is coming down to the will to power of us over others. Is now the time you're going to make Israel great again? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times. And then he tells them what the job is. You're to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, outermost parts of the earth. Witnessing to what? Witnessing to what Jesus proclaimed, that the kingdom of God, the reign of God has begun, and it's characterized by the meek and the peaceful and the humble and the loving, and you will be persecuted, but you will be blessed, uh, rather than the will to power of politics. I think the big mistake still of the, of the Australian church is to think that political action uh, somehow brings in the kingdom. If we just get our laws in, enshrined and our people into power and if we get protections for us because we as Christians feel we're victims and the secular hostility is too great and we argue for ourselves with political protections. Now, I think there's need for religious discrimination acts. I think there's need for... Uh, making sure that all faiths are protected. I am not against that, but it sometimes tips over into victimhood. We're victims, which makes me laugh because at one level, Jesus said, the world is going to hate you because you follow me. Yeah. <laughs> so why are we surprised if there's a bit of hostility? Yeah, right. it's, almost like we, it's almost like we are trying to get our way not necessarily for the gospel, but we're trying to get away so everybody loves us and sees what we say is right and good and will change everything. Yeah, I've, it's an interesting thought. And for example, you know, and we, you know, I was going to say we don't want to get political, but who cares, right? It's my podcast. I can do what I like. <laughs> um, I, I think, uh, you know, just listening to Christians over the years, the big thing in our world, you know, uh, Pentecostal world has been almost to pray and, and the pinnacle of, Australian life will be to have a voted prime minister of our ilk, if you like. So what's funny about that is I've stood in prayer meetings where we're praying for a Pentecostal prime minister. Yeah, I find that the same people that prayed for the Pentecostal prime minister and got one, by the way, he goes to one of our ACC churches, during COVID were the same people referring to him as a dictator. I who, saw that. Unbelievable. And attacking him. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, what was so striking for me, Paul, and this was, you know, part of this mistaken 
view that the gospel is about politics and getting power in our way, um, not being witnesses to something else, is the very people who rightly, like me, would oppose abortion and say I'm anti those who are pro-choice. They were the ones saying my body is sovereign <laughs> and it's my choice. And they, they've done a complete flip in the yeah. whole ethical position. Uh, and how dare the Prime Minister encourage everyone to get vaccines or even contemplate Commonwealth health workers having to be vaccinated. It's choice. And their bodies are sovereign, which was the opposite of the whole message we'd been on about. Yeah. So it was very confusing, and I thought yeah. it was very unfair to attack our Prime Minister like that. Yeah, it's true. It's been a very unusual season. Well, uh, today, Tim, it's been really great to have you speak and also helping us all rethink a whole range of things. And we actually really do appreciate uh, what you do across the landscape of social justice and, and making sure that the gospel remains implanted inside the context of humanity, not from building, shouting out to other people. We uh, really appreciate you and honour you for what you do in Australia and around the globe. So once again, thank you for joining my, my Rethink It podcast today. It's been a delight. Onwards and upwards. Thanks for listening to Rethink It. For more, visit rethinkit.com.au. That's re-thinkit.com.au. Or follow Paul on Instagram at Paul E. Bartlett.